Shalom, everyone. Welcome back to Finding Joy in the Law. <laughs> uh, this is like episode five, I think. And we're going to talk about the tabernacle today. So let's just go into it. Um, yeah, so the, the tabernacle is just basically this movable temple kind of idea <clears throat> in Exodus that God gives them uh, instructions for building the tabernacle and says, this is where I'm going to dwell with you. Uh, you're going to be in my presence, and this is like going to help fulfill the covenant of being them being a nation of priests because they're going to have this tabernacle, and it's going to be great, and it's going to be fine. I, I don't know. Am I quiet? Turn this up. Did that help? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a little louder. I don't know if I was quiet for that first part, but we'll just roll. I totally know how to do sound stuff. Um, anyway, so it that starts in chapter 25. Um, the, after, after the covenant is confirmed, so in 24, they're all like, yeah, this sounds great, and God's like, tight. Well, I mean, that's a rough paraphrase, like r pretty rough. But uh, it's 25, God gives Moses the blueprints for how the tabernacle should be built. And then in 32, and that happens to chapter 31, and then 32, we got the problem, Moses on the mountain too long, and then people get twitchy. Um, and then and then that happens till 34, that kind of storyline thing. And then 35 and onwards is the building of the tabernacle. So first you have the instructions, then you have the building. And it's like really repetitive. <laughs> uh, but it's important because we have to view Exodus as a story. It's not just like, here's this chunk of law. No, no, no interwoven if you remember back to the first episode or maybe it was the second or something i don't know i was talking about our constitution how it's not really a story it's just like here's the rights you have and here's how our government runs but if they were making it a story they'd be like and here's why congress has the right to levy taxes but why the people have the right to assembly because if connor uh because <laughs> because if congress um connor gris i was trying to say Congress mixed with like toner because I was looking at my screen and my microphone is a toner microphone and for some reason it mixed the two so Conor, Conor anyway um, a storyline would have been like here's what the British did they imposed this tax on us we didn't like it we tried to assemble peaceably and then the Boston Massacre happened although it's like believed that the rebels shot first but or, well, they didn't have guns or anything, but they were, like, throwing rocks at the... That's not important. But if it was a story, that would be included in the Constitution. Well, Exodus is a story. So, we have the tabernacle, which is kind of like, you know, uh, like how we organize Congress. You know, we have the House of Representatives and the Senate, and they, they vote on stuff. But this is, like, the... This is, you know, they're technically setting up to be a theocracy. So this is like the middle of the camp. All of the tribes of the camp are all around this tabernacle. And this is how we're supposed to conduct. Um, I mean, yeah, our government, it's judicial, but it's also, you know, spiritual in the sense that this is how we're going to have God dwell among us. So good. The tabernacle. Well, first thing first, we have to form a paradigm. That's kind of like a cool word that I like to use. Or catalyst, if you would so have it that way. 
a catalyst for what a temple is. And we need to form it off of what they would think a temple is. And so we have this idea in the scripture, but it's also just really common to people back then. We don't really have a whole lot of temples today, like just all over the place to different gods with people sacrificing stuff to different gods. But that was super common, you know, that you'd have the Baal and the Asherah and and all of these people uh, or all of these gods that people would have their own temples and their own priests for isn't like a good thing um and israel would also have that same bubble and they just came out of egypt and they were doing the same thing uh uh, in egypt to just a different god so uh, it's common and the way that you we kind of think about this and the way that they kind of thought about this was like little bubbles or places where the earth's connection to heaven is like is like strong or that like this is where something that's not natural so it's supernatural is like the presence here is strong uh and this idea is fluent with scripture i'm not just like making this up so we can think of Abraham and Jacob and all them, they were running around. And what they do when they had a vision or something, they would have, or when Jacob wrestles with God, you know, um, he had, they have these visions or they have these experiences where they see something heavenly or they experience something that's supernatural. And then they build an altar and they call it, they call it a place. Or like, um, like Bethel. Uh, Bethel or Bethel as we say it not like today's modern version of Bethel um but in the scripture Bethel was the place darn I'm like trying to remember who it was was it Abraham or Jacob I want to say it was Jacob I'm just gonna look it up Bethel in Genesis Genesis I can't push enter because my bible's blocking uh Genesis Jacob, okay, it was Jacob, in Genesis 35. He builds an altar. Um, oh. At Remarkable Dream. Yeah, 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 okay, good, good, good. Yeah, it, he, he renames this place Bethel because of what dream? While traveling... Oh, the ladder. The ladder to heaven. Jacob's ladder. That that deal. Stretched from heaven to earth. Oh, perfect. I should have already had this planned. Anyway, this, this bubble from heaven to earth. And it says, angels were climbing up and down the ladder as God stood at the top in Genesis 28, 10 through 13. Basically. And so, that's like the perfect idea. Because it's like a place where heaven connects to earth. Where there's like this overlap here. Um, and, which is a theme that's carried all throughout scripture and has significance to us today that I'll talk about. Um, this bubble of earth. And then you also see, and he, so he names it Bethel, which just Beth is house and El is God. So house of God. Um, just like Beth, Lahem, Lahem is bread, Beth, house, house of bread. Um, so this bubble of earth. And the tabernacle is supposed to be that. But instead of just being this one place or this one time where someone had this vision, um, it's like, all the time the presence of god is here this is going to be the bubble on earth this is the tabernacle and the and the temple 
So that's what how people would view them. You can also think about Ezekiel or I uh, sorry Isaiah. No, maybe it was Ezekiel. Oh no, Isaiah in six two. Uh, the train of the robe is filling the temple. Well, that's like the, because God's the upper half is in the heaven, and then the train of the robe is filling the temple. Um, you know, it's this bubble. Heaven meets earth. Good. So now we have this catalyst for what a temple or a tabernacle is. So let's just get into the, some of the ideas and imagery used in the talking about the tabernacle. Um, or like in the building of it. Wow, good. Okay, I'm only eight minutes in. I thought I was rambling for like way too long. I only rambled for like nine minutes. That's perfectly fine. Um, Ark of the Covenant, let's just start there because it's like the first thing that they're given instructions to do. This just means the pre- it's, it's where God dwells. Um, it, well, inside the Ark, there's the Ten Commandments. And then later on, we see, we see Aaron's staff and, and possibly a jar of mana, mana in it. <laughs> I like saying it mana because it makes me feel sound all fancy or something. Um, and yeah, and this is like the only furniture in the most holy place. So this is the place where the veil, the veil is. This is the place wherein, um, you know, in, uh, like, you don't go in here. You'll die. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and it's surrounded by cherubim. So we have this heaven imagery, just what I was talking about, this bubble of heaven and earth. We have this heaven imagery. The Ark of the Covenant is like, and is has these two cherubim on it, which are, if we think about other he- places where we've seen this heaven injury, cherubim are standing around the throne, continually praising God, saying, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty." And and Isaiah sees this in his vision, and so we have this cherubim, this heaven imagery on earth, and it's solid gold. It's like up there. It's rare. It's it's a big deal. It's set apart. It's not just like your standard everyday affair. It's holy. And he's surrounded by praise. And so this presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant, surrounded by praise continually. Then we also have, uh, not in the Holy of Holies, we have the uh, Bread of the Presence. Um, and th- this is still behind a veil. This isn't the most holy place, but it's still behind a, a veil. Uh, th- oh yeah, let me, let me get it. Most holy and Holy of Holies, it's just the same thing. So when it in the Hebrew language, when they're trying to convey something that's like a big deal, they'll just repeat it. So it's not just holy of holy. It's not just the holy place. It's the holy of holies. Or you'll see this with heavens. In it'll be it'll translated the heavenly heaven or the, the, in the heavenly the highest heavens, and it'll be uh, like that. And the idea is most holy. Like this is the this is the big deal. So the most holy place of the holy of holies is the same thing. And then out, outside of that, we have just the holy place. <laughs> and that was a little bigger. And it has uh, the golden lampstand. Um, yeah, let's talk about the golden lampstand. For, uh, golden lampstand. No, no, no. Bread of the presence. We'll, we'll talk about that. But it has the bread of the presence, which is in the light of the lampstand. So it's always in, wrapped in this light. And it's just like we see this... Uh, shadow it's like a shadow of of what communion is supposed to be it's this bread of the presence there's 12 for each of the tribes and this is like 
God's provision and God has provided and, and we have this bread that's continually before him and the priest would go in and, and change it out and everything. And it's always in the light. It's always in the favor of God. And so we, we have the same deal with communion. I mean, this is like a picture of that. We're provided for. Our sins are provided for and atoned for. Um, we continually can eat upon the bread of life. Um which is what Jesus is talking. He's talking about the manna or manna when he talks about that. But um, yeah, then we go to the lampstand. Here's where heaven imagery is intertwined with garden imagery, not just like a garden, the garden of Eden. All right. So remember back, this is the same story that people are getting Genesis and Exodus at the same time. This is a big deal. Garden imagery. They would they would make these connections pretty easy for us. We gotta like actually try to understand it. The lampstand is supposed to be uh, a flowering tree. I mean, it has buds on it, and um, uh, it, like it's these seven uh, like branches with buds. Um, wait, I think it's seven. I got like a lot of notes here. That's why it took me a little longer to do this one because I was doing a lot of notes. Uh, golden lampstand. I gotta move back. Twenty-five. Yep. Yep. Uh. Yeah. It's seven. I don't even know why I doubted that. Six branches, or or well, the stem. There's the main stem, and then the six branches. And it's supposed to be a flowering almond tree. Garden imagery. Uh, we see the idea of like this type. These types of wood being used. Twenty-seven one. Um. We see this idea of, like, this is remember back when you dwelled with God. Remember when you walked with him and everything. It was all good and, you know, sin wasn't in the world and we were in the presence of God continually. Garden imagery is present in the tabernacle. And 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 so, yeah, those are some, some just a few of the things that are important. A few of the, like, the furnitures. There's the altar of incense. This is where, you know, a pleasing aroma will be offered to God. And... So now I kind of want to talk about why this is important. Like, why does it matter that we know what the tabernacle is? Because we're the temple. And that's why it's important. One, it's glorifying to God for us to read and see how his entire scripture connects. It's not just these individual stories of how God was like, here, well, actually, let's just change it up a little bit. No, he had this plan all from the beginning, this plan of redemption, um, and you can see that in Colossians 2.16, like this is always what was going to happen. And we see these sh- these shadows in the tabernacle that Christ perfectly fulfills. And we are on the other half of that, which is an amazing thing because we can see all of this, his- this uh, it's called progressive revelation, revelation that has progressed. Um, and if we are the temple, then we can see like, some of the things that we're supposed to relate. And it's also just amazing that we're the temple because this was a big deal. But now we are the temple. He dwells in our hearts. There's a song by Petra called um, the, uh, I don't remember what it's called. The king, the, and it's like, now we are the temple. He dwells in our hearts. The dun, 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 for the gatekeepers here. Yeah, anyway. The King of Glory shall come in. That's what it's called, Petra. Um, it's an awesome. You should listen to it. It's '90s. Uh, and then uh, I'm gonna use the veil to kind of give this shadow. 
The veil is like my favorite thing about the temple. Because we have this veil covering the presence of God from us. Because we can't be in the presence of God. You know, we'll die. And the veil are the colors purple and red. <clears throat> it's, and, you know, I think it's pretty common to know. Purple, royalty. Red, and every time it's used, like, as an intoning, the blood that covers sin. And so we have this veil that's this meant to symbolize this royal blood. And the only way for this veil to be done away with is by royal blood. So when Christ dies and the veil is split from top to bottom, um, it's split because of his, he's the king. He's the rightful heir. He's the image of God, the, the perfect image of God. And it's his royal blood that rips that veil that, that was covering it because we didn't have that as our atonement. We had, you know, sacrifices that really couldn't save. Um, and it's been ripped from top down because from God we have salvation. It's not from man like, I'm going to achieve my own salvation. I, I can do this. I can rip back the veil. No, God had to come down to earth, top down, and that's how our salvation had to be achieved with this royal blood. And so the veil is one of those places where the imagery, the shadows, are very clearly seen. This, um, <clears throat> And it's embroidered, again, with cherubim. The, the veil for the Holy of Holies is embroidered with these cherubim. So it's, it's praising God continually in the presence of God. It's hung on golden pillars. Um, it's supported, and it's it's... It's strong and it's it's rare and it's this thing that we just can't go in on and well God has removed that from us and we are the temples and when you really look at all the temple imagery it's just so great that we um, have the like the presence of God in us now you know still see God and die but <laughs> but this is just an, an amazing thing. Well, the seen God, Jesus came down to earth in, in uh, the form of man and and just fulfilled all of this. That's why he says, I didn't come to abolish law. I came to fulfill the law. All this tabernacle temple stuff? No, no, no. I am the fulfillment of that. I, I am who I am. And it's just this amazing thing. It's a picture of heaven down on earth. This this tabernacle that we um, can look at and glorify God and see what our role is and see the plan of redemption. So that's uh, the tabernacle. Oh, yeah. I got like two minutes or whatever. It's 19 minutes in. Um, the story. It's important to put this in the story because it's the tabernacle. He gives instructions. And then Israel goes and makes a golden calf. And it's like, the, the, the Ten Commandments are broken, and it seems hopeless that, well, we had this covenant with God, but we broke our end of the covenant, so what next? And there's still wrath. God is still angry. Many people die, um, and it's, it's not a good thing. And there's curses that come upon Israel at this time for their lack of reverence. And them praising this false idol, which is like the first command God gave them. And they broke the first command of the covenant, so it's like, well, there's no hope for the rest. 
um, is God still going to be faithful in his end of the covenant? And it's like, yes, even though we are continually breaking our covenant with God, he is abounding in covenant faithfulness, which if you remember is that repetitive phrase that happens over and over again in scripture. Um, slow to anger and abounding in covenant faithfulness, but will visit iniquity on to the third and fourth generation. And so, yeah, it's in this story of tabernacle instructions. Israel breaks that. What next? Well, Moses goes back up, gets new Ten Commandments, and they start building the tabernacle. They are still going to be in the presence of God. Um, Yeah. Probably the next episode will be about intercession, (laughs) because that's what Moses does. Or we might just jump in the the Leviticus and talk about the outline of Leviticus and then talk about intercession later. I don't know yet. It'll be a surprise. Okay, this is Cam. Oh, yeah, I didn't say Shalom. Did I? I don't know. Anyway, Shalom. Peace be with you. Good Goodbye.